No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use. On the subject of speaking untruths, the various degrees of falsifiers. Now the first is one who is a confirmed shotgun who tells stories that never happened. There are others that are somewhat close to this degree, although they're not exactly the same. Those who add falsehoods to their stories or to their words. It means, it's not the regular profession to go and tell things that never happened. But when they come to speak about something, they add falsehoods into the story. In other words, they emphasize the story and make it more interesting by peppering it with some false details. As enters their mind. And they become so accustomed to that until it becomes like a nature of theirs. They don't feel that they're doing anything out of the way. Now this applies to many people. That when they tell something, they exaggerate it with details that are untrue. And that's also falsehood. These are the people called falsifiers that we cannot believe their words. They cannot be trusted as witnesses, and what they say doesn't have substance because they always add something that's not true. That's the punishment of a falsifier. Even if he'll say the truth, no one will listen to him. They don't take him seriously. Because this evil had already caused them to have such a nature that the words cannot come out of their mouths clear of lies. Now in the first category, the ones mentioned above that completely tell lies, they are the inventors of the religions that seek to compete with the Torah. So there when they said that A-L-L-A-H appeared to them, they are completely lying. Also the New Testament tell falsehoods that never happened. But even the Havdal among those who do not invent such falsehoods, they also are suspected whatever they say is adulterated by false details. And therefore they never gain any believers because people have learned to suspect their stories. That's what the Novi expresses his distress, his sorrow. Glimdu the Shonom Dabashekar Have Nilo. 
they taught their tongues to speak falsehood and they labored to twist everything, having to twist. And these people are not able to say a thing exactly as it happened. Now, very many are included in this category. They actually are telling incidents that took place, but their exaggerations and their additions many times change the facts. For instance, if a person was accused of seizing an object from someone, it depends why he seized it. Let's say if that person, the first one, was a robber, and he sees this from the robber, so he's justified in seizing it from him. So the story could be true that he seized it, but why he seized it, or how he seized it, it depends on the circumstances. And this person who repeats the story and is not careful in the details can twist the story around so that the man who sees it, he is a robber. There's others whose illness is somewhat more lenient than the illness of those that we mentioned until now. They're not established so much in the habit of falsehood, but they don't worry to keep far away from a falsehood. The enemy is dominant. If it happens sometimes that they wish to add something that's not true, you know they will say it. Many times they'll say it just as a jest. In jest, they add details that are not true. Or similar cases without any harmful intention but they are not careful in reporting what they saw. Still, the wise men let us know that even this is considered a very wrong attitude. All this is the opposite of the will of the Creator. And the opposite of the character of His pious ones. Times, even these people can do great harm. For instance, when they report that A hurt B's feelings, and they had they hurt these feelings very much. It could be it wasn't very much, but that's their own addition. And sometimes they add very, very much, make it even worse. So therefore, by these additional words, we must be very careful because they change the story. To describe an act with more emphasis than actually took place is a falsehood. Sometimes it was said only superficially and had a very small effect on the listener. For the witness wishes to make it interesting to the hearers, and she wants to make it something more sensational, like the reporters do, and they add words to blow up the thing, and that's why the journalists are among the greatest transgressors of this principle of saying the truth. It's their profession to make things sensational, 
And whatever they say has a very big admixture of falsehood. Now, probably, in most cases, they wouldn't invent an episode. But even the things that they do relate are so peppers and so flavors in order to make it interesting that we can suspect there's a great percentage of untruth in their words. The Sadiq hates a word of falsehood. Not only in others, in himself, he hates to say something that's not true. To him, it's hateful to add to words that are exaggerating what actually happened. And that's the admonition in the Torah. You should keep far away from falsehood. Not only you shouldn't speak falsehood, you shouldn't come close to it. Which means a person must strain his words in order to leave out all those additional expressions that exaggerate and make it more than actually was. Keep far away from a false word. But here you'll see, Shalei Omar, he didn't say, He didn't say, Beware of falsehood. He says, keep far away from false words. The whole in order to bring our attention, on the great distance that we should keep away from falsehood. And the fleeing to avoid falsehood. We should flee from falsehood. You have to flee from it. So falsehood to the righteous person actually is a sin that makes him feel unclean. He has to run away from it like you run away from something that's abominable. Ukhwanema, it states, those who remain over after the Chubim Beis should not do any injustice. Now that we've been spared by Hashem, He allows us to survive so from now on, no injustice should be done by us. You should not speak any falsehood. It shouldn't be found in the mouth any expression of deception. And now we should say, our Kodesh Borehood allowed us to survive. We have to show to Hashem, I will loyal to Him. I won't speak anything that's not absolutely true. Our sages said, The seal of our Kodesh Borah is Emes. That's his seal. Like a man stamps a letter with his seal, Hashem stamp is Emes. It's certain if our Kodesh Borah shows the word Emes to be his seal, how greatly despised would the opposite of Emes be to him? Now, by the way, while we're on this subject, it's important to know everything you have to learn, you have to learn with a commentary. And many times, it's wrong to say the Emes. Emes has to be what is kind and useful. Sometimes the Emes is cruel and harmful. Let's say your wife cooked a supper. Don't say it's not good, if it, even if it was not good. That kind of emiss is harmful. I say it's good. 
if a man is marrying a girl that's not good looking, so the Gemara said, you have to praise their color, how beautiful their color is. And Bishami complained, how can you say that? It's not true. And Bishilel said, when a man buys something, are you going to disparage him and say he bought something that's worthless? Or are you going to praise him? You should make him happy once he bought it. So now that he's marrying her, you have to praise the color. So we see sometimes we must say something that's not true for kindliness. And therefore, the Yetzirah always has some back door to come in. And you have to use a good deal of discretion. In general, however, if it doesn't affect anybody's feelings, it won't hurt him or discourage him, then we should always try to choose the truth without elaborating it or painting it up to make it more spectacular. However, if it's necessary to encourage somebody, then it's important to speak words that are kindly rather than words that are factual. Say that. Bottom paragraph. It's on the subject of speaking truth. HaKadosh Baruch admonished concerning the truth a great Azhara. And that means it's not merely a virtue, a male, a madrege of perfection, but it's a strong obligation that the Torah demands of us to speak truthfully. Speak truth, each man to his fellow man. The throne of the king will be established with chesed, by means of doing chesed. And he will sit on the throne with emes. So it means emes is one of the requirements of the permanence of his reign. They are my people, Bonim sons that will not be false. It means they'll speak only truth. And so we see that's a requirement. In order to be eligible for that title, Bonim of Hashem, you must be speakers of truth. So you learn, one depends on the other. In order to be called Bonim Lamoke, you must be truthful. Yerushalayim will be called the city of truth. That would be a great praise for Yerushalayim. To add to its importance, despite all the greatness that Yerushalayim is going to have, this will also be added to its greatness, that it's a city where people speak truth. When they come to Yerushalayim, the people become more and more careful with their tongues to speak only what's exactly true. Safety here. He speaks truth in his heart. Speaking about the virtuous man, he speaks truth in his heart. What does that mean, he speaks truth in his heart? So he gives an example how a person is loyal to what he intended to do. He is truthful to what he intended to do. What does that mean? 
כגון רב ספר. When he wanted to purchase something and wanted to sell something and a man came before him while he was praying, Avsafa was praying, Kishma. So he waved the man away. The man made an offer and he waved the man away because he didn't want to do business during Kishma. But the man thought that he didn't offer enough. So he came again and offered more. So Rav Safra said, I'm going to give it to you for the first price. But at that time, I was willing to give it to you. And I couldn't speak. So he speaks the image that was in his heart. Say that inside. To let you know, how far the obligation of emes extends. They made a Talmud Chochem under a limitation. He cannot change the facts with his words, even though he's not doing anybody any harm, but he cannot say an untruth. Except, three things. Now these three things are a mitzvah for him to conceal from people. For instance, if they asked him, do you know this and this Masichtet in order to find out how learned he is? He should say no. Because of humility, he should say no. Now that's an untruth. But there, an untruth is recommended. Two other cases about private things which people don't have to know about. It's better they shouldn't know. And therefore, only in these three cases. Outside of these three instances, if he ever says an untruth, it's considered a criticism on the Talmud Chacham. One of the pillars on which the world stands, Uhemes. But it says in Pirkei the world stands on three things, and one is the Emes. If so, if someone speaks untruth, Kilunaitel, as if he removes one of the foundations of the world. The world is not founded surely anymore when a person speaks untruth. So each person is mechuyev to uphold the world, as if the world depended on him. And when he speaks an untruth, he should know that it's unsettling the world. His opposite is someone who is careful with the truth. Is considered like somebody who is upholding the world. As if he upholds the foundation of the world. Now we shouldn't uh, think this is just a muscle, because every person is judged as if the whole world depended on him. That's the outlook of Torah. And you shouldn't say to so many people, I have only a small share of responsibility. No. You come into this world as if you are one person, and everything depends only on your behavior. And therefore, by speaking the truth, you're upholding the world, and you're giving credit for that. is related the following story. There was a certain town, where people were very careful to speak the truth. Nobody could die there. 
Only when the time came for a person to die, the Malachamavas waited for him to leave the town. He had to go outside of the town. So then the Malachamavas used to take away his life. But while he was in that noble town, he couldn't kill him. Because the truth upheld the lives of all the inhabitants when they were together. A wife of a certain Talmud Chacham changed her words. She said a certain untruth. Although she meant well. It was for a good reason. She had a good intention by changing the words. She called the Malachamavas to come into that town. Until they drove her out of town because of that. They expelled her from town. And went back to their peace. There's a certain case. A woman was there for some reason. It doesn't tell us right here, but he might tell the story that this woman, for a certain reason, told an untruth. And people began to die. And they investigated what happened and they discovered that this woman had broken the principles of that town and that had caused the Malham always to come so they expelled her from the town and then they went back to the previous state that in the town nobody could ever die he thinks it's not necessary to speak any more at length on this subject a human reason requires that. We adas machricha, and anybody with us will agree that it's forced upon us this principle. We must be truthful. Say that. Now it begins a paragraph on which it really pays to spend more time. Anfe chil Hashem, the subdivisions of chil Hashem. In general, is the idea that we must put up a good front for the public to see, so that everyone will praise observant Jews. And the more important you are as a representative of Torah Judaism, the bigger is the obligation upon you to make a better impression. That's a very important subject. And it's not understood by people. I must tell you a story recently happened. I was standing at the post office. There was a long line. A man with a black hat and a white beard. I know him well. Walked up to the head of the line, whispered a couple of words to the people up front, and he went in first before anybody else. Later I said, you made a chilashem. Terrible thing. He said, but I explained it to the people up front. First of all, the people in the back didn't hear any explanations. And secondly, who said the people up front were satisfied? They didn't want to say anything. They kept quiet. And this man is so stupid. You know, maybe he learned, but he didn't learn how to be a Jew. A Jew must learn that Chil Hashem is worse than eating hummus and Pesach. Hummus and Pesach is a very big Abayah's cause. But you can be Mechapah and you Shuvah. On Chil Hashem there's no Shuvah. When people say... A person who ostensibly looks like a Ben Torah, and he behaves in a certain manner that shames the Jewish nation, 
There's no forgiveness for that. No forgiveness. That's why this is a very important subject we're going to learn next time. The subdivisions of Chil Hashem, Gam Kein Heim Rabim, the many and important. Because a person must be very careful to protect the honor of his Creator. And anything that he does, he has to look very carefully. That he shouldn't come forth from one of his acts that he does something that could be a profaning of the honor of heaven. We learn, even if it was not means not boinus, but something that happened because of insufficient caution. Even though he didn't intend to do anything wrong, but he wasn't sufficiently careful, so he is responsible for the chilashem. What's an example? If I would take meat from the butcher and not pay immediately. For other people, it may not be considered a disgrace, but for an important person like Rav, if he didn't pay on the spot, it would be a criticism on him. A lack in great Shomayim. If I would walk four Amis without thinking in Torah or speaking in Torah and without wearing Tzvillin, everything he did was always devoted to learning Torah and he always wore Tzvillin. And he would have seen him walking a little without Tzvillin as far as he would be concerned as considered Chil Everybody according to his importance. How he is considered in the eyes of the generations. If the generation considers him important, he has to pay attention, has to look into it. Not to do something that's not proper for a man like that. Now that puts upon him a very great obligation. Now even though a person is not important, but let's say he puts on a show that is important. Let's say he puts on a black hat and he wears a beard and he acts like he wears Adam Choshev. Even though he's not important, it already puts upon him a very great responsibility that the smallest thing that he does can have Khalil and effect of Khil Hashem. Set it aside. According to the excellence of his importance and his wisdom is how people think he is important. So he should be more careful in matters of service of Hashem and the way he's careful with it. So he has to show he's more careful in the service of Hashem according to what people think of him. They expect more of him. If he does not do that, the name of heaven is profane through him. 
שכבוד התורה הוא שמי שאמר בהלים את בואי יאבד כמו כן ויש לכם whatever is lacking from this of character and righteousness and a person who learns much causes a shame for learning people will say that's what learning causes that's the result of learning a profaning of Hashem's name he gave us his holy Torah and he commanded us to engage in the study of the Torah to acquire by means of the Torah our perfection and if people say they're lacking in perfection so people will say what good is the Torah say that the obligation of keeping Shabbos and Yontev is a very big obligation. Now you want to speak about it, not in the coarse, ordinary sense. There are many judgments, many laws about Shabbos and Yontev. There are many halachas about Shabbos. And people not always are aware. But the fact that they're not aware does not exonerate them because why didn't they learn? It's their duty to know what they're supposed to do on Shabbos. Even those things are also only midarabonon, even though only from the words of the chachomim and not according to the Torah, they're fundamental things that must be obeyed. Never should the shvus be considered unimportant in your eyes just because it's Rabbanon. The Isa of putting your hands on a korban. Shvusi. It's only the Rabbanon. To lean on a behemoth on Shabbos and Yontiv is only Isa the Rabbanon. The question on Yomte, when you bring a carbon that needs smicha, would you be permitted to put your hands on it and lean on it to make smicha? So, the greatest people of the generation had a machlekes, but it's permissible to make smicha for a mitzvah of a carbon. So we see that even though it's only a darabonon, it's considered so important that the heads of the generations engage in a very big long machlekes over that. Is it permissible for the korban? Ulam. Protiadinim, the machlekes, the details, according to the subdivisions, meveorim heim, etzalah poskim isifem, are explained by the poskim, and that's for him. Bechulam shavim lechayvasinabam. All are equally obligatory upon us to observe. And to, they deserve the necessary caution for all of them. The most difficult thing for ordinary people who are 
to refrain from Isaac means talking business and speaking about business things. That's something that people are usually initial in that. But it's also also because it says in the words of the Nevi'im, you shouldn't speak any weekday affairs like business on Shabbat. Say that. Ulam. Ulam. He mentions the requirements not to speak on Shabbos about business matters. Ulam, but how is this Isa is stated in the words of the Navi. It means even though it's a Takonis Chachamim, but already the Nevi'im spoke about it. Which means it's a very early Isa. And he quotes from Yeshaya, You should honor the Shabbos not to do your ways. It means going on your ways as you have to do ordinary things, maybe it's so chefsecha, from finding your desires, and even speaking words. So, the things that a person does in the weekdays, like making money, taking care of his property, all these things should not be discussed on Shabbos. And the rule that sums up everything, Whatever is also to do on Shabbos, also also to do anything on Shabbos for that purpose, even though you're not doing the work. Like preparing for that thing that's also to do on Shabbos. Like preparing uh, materials or making an appointment, or to mention it even with the mouth. Therefore, they made it forbidden. You cannot look over. Shabbos can't look over beforehand to see what he has to do tomorrow. He was not saying anything. Or, to go to the entrance of the town and to wait until it's night time in order to go quickly into the bathhouse, which was outside the town. <coughs> Let's say he wants to go someplace. So he wants to be in the, at the time that the Shabbos goes out, close to the gate of the city to leave. He shouldn't do that. We also, and he said, it's also to say, Dava plainly asked I'm going to do this and this thing tomorrow. I'm going to go there tomorrow. I'm going to write this letter for you tomorrow. Or tomorrow I'll buy this and this merchandise. A hand cold case or anything similar to that. Say that. Up to now I spoke about some of the mitzvahs that we see 
that people usually trip up on them. From these examples, we can learn about all other prohibited things. There's nothing that's their love, that's forbidden in the Torah, that doesn't have branches and subdivisions. Some are more severe and some are more lenient. However, nothing is simple. When it comes to observance of Torah, that's the rule. Nothing is simple. Someone wants to be clean of misdeeds. He has to be clean of all of them and pure from all of them. Now this means, therefore, it requires a certain amount of effort. You cannot just by habit alone rely that you are going to be to steer clear of doing anything wrong. No. You must have a certain amount of exertion and your mind must be awake on the subject. Otherwise, most people will fall into various kinds of sins. The main sins are the subdivisions. He quotes, Your teeth are like a flock of sheep laden with wool. He compared his bride, the Jewish nation, his beautiful teeth, all white teeth, like a flock of sheep laden with white wool. Well, it's a muscle in the Jewish nation. Just like a sheep is a modest behemoth, a female sheep is a modest animal. It's not like a ram who sometimes is rambunctious. No, a female sheep is modest. So Yisrael were modest and they were kosher when they went to war with Midian. Although when they went to war with Midian, they captured the people of Midian, including women and girls. They were really careful not to have any kind of contact with them at all. In the Milchemist region, they behaved with the utmost modesty. That when they came into place of battle, they wore tefillin, and they didn't put on the tefillin before tefillin shalyad. Sometimes when people are about to go into battle, they're in a hurry and they become confused. No. When it came to putting on tefillin, everyone followed the right procedure, put on the shalyad first, and not the shalrish. If one of them had made an error putting on the shalrish before shalyad, Moshe Rabbeinu would not have praised them. And they wouldn't have gone out of that war without any casualties. By not fulfilling properly the mitzvah of tefillin, they would have exposed themselves to casualties. But because they were perfect in everything that they did, that's why they went into a battle and there was not a single casualty. Now when you come to Yishtabach, that's the end of Sukkotisimra. And then after Borcho, Yishtabach is a new subject. So some people might be careless and think you can talk in between. He says, no. Anyone who speaks between Yeshtabach and Yeshua, it's a sin. 
And he should go back from the ranks of war. It means he's not fit to be a Jewish soldier. A Jewish soldier has to be a person who doesn't have any fear of reprisals for his sins. For the man who speaks between Yishtaba and Yesa has to be afraid Akkadish might visit upon him when he goes into dangerous situations, might visit upon him reprisal for the sin of talking in the wrong place. So you see how far there has to be the carefulness and the purity, the true purity in all the deeds. Now this means like this. When you go to war, so they say, who is afraid should turn back? Afraid of the sins that he did. He should turn back because you cannot rely that he's going to have the help of Hashem. And what's called sins? So he tells even the sin of talking between Yishtabach and Yisrael, even such a sin that a person knows that he has, he is justified in going back from the ranks of battle because he cannot rely that he's going to be helped by Hashem. Paragraph beginning with Hinei. Hinei, Just as it's necessary in the case of deeds, acts, behavior, he said above, that a person must exercise this practice of being careful to do what is correct. Similarly, he needs purity in a matter of character. Now, this means even though nothing wrong is done by him, yet his emotions must also be acceptable to Hashem. That's an important lesson. Not enough what a person does. What flips through his mind is reaction. But his midas, his tracer character, that's also important for him to work on that they should become purified. Now he begins explaining. The more difficult to purify oneself in character traits than to purify oneself in the performance of the right deeds. Because a man's nature works upon him more in the traits of character than it does upon his deeds. That explains that. But we understand that the deeds a person can control by manipulating his limbs. He doesn't raise his hand, doesn't raise his voice, he doesn't walk, he remains seated, he can be passive. It's easier to control the body than to control the mind. Because a person's nature or the way he has become accustomed, that's his habits, of mind and emotions, either help 
the Midas or make obstacles to the Midas. Let's say if a person has been brought up to be generous towards people, so therefore his mind makes it easier for him to look at people with their charitable thoughts. He can find merit in people. If he's brought up, or his nature is, to be irascible and to be displeased with everything, so it's difficult not to be displeased with people. So his nature is in control of his midas more than is in control of his acts. Any war that's against a person's nature is a really powerful, strong war. So again, if it's a matter of restraining himself from doing certain things, may not be easy, but it's much easier than the ability to restrain oneself from wrong emotions. That's what Acham explained. Who is considered a powerful man? Not the person who does certain things, whose acts are heroic acts. Could be very good heroic acts too. But the real heroism is Hakovesh es A person can restrain his inclinations. Not his acts. Acts also is worthwhile. A person rewarded for restraining his tongue from saying words, from going where they're not supposed to go or doing what they're not supposed to do. However, when he is restraining his thoughts and his passions, his inclinations, that's the real hero that I call the brother who admires most. There are many attributes of character and therefore there are many different departments in which people have to make up their mind to exert themselves. It's not a one-time thing. There are many different qualities of character that each person has. Each person is a bundle of different qualities of character. And therefore, the qualities must be purified. Stay up to here before we go on. Now he explains how to see the truth that the Midas attributes of character are numerous. According to all the acts that have any connection with people in this world, like eating, or sleeping, or saying, or going, and many subdivisions. It depends what you say, how long it says. In saying itself, there are all kinds of forms of saying, and also going and doing, every act, even the movements of the body, these things are controlled by the emotions that are in a man's mind. So although we only see the acts, but the emotions are the motivations that are the dynamos that make the acts take place. 
כמו כן דרפו, סימרלי, מידוסיין, שאחרי הוא נמשך מפילוסופיה. Also are the midas, the qualities or characters are very many, for which a man is influenced in his acts. I will just enumerate a few examples. For instance, is the midas of being proud, arrogance, think that he is most important. And that's, you have to know, a natural thing. Every person is born that way. Every little child thinks he is the only thing in the world. Everybody else in the world is just an auxiliary to him, accessory to him. And some people never get over that. All their lives, they are the only ones that are important in the world. Then there is a media of late sonnets, of ridiculing, looking down on people, finding faults in people, joking about people, belittling people. That's a characteristic that very many people have. Then there's a quality of indolence, that's inertia, laziness in various fields, all kinds of laziness. Then there are desires for money, desires for property, desires for good times, desires for eating. Then also there are caste, impatience, irascibility, anger, temper, and various degrees. There's also revenge, bearing a grudge, keeping in mind for a long time what someone once said or did. There's also the desire for fame. Even though you know you're nobody, you might think you're nobody, but everyone would like to have recognition, wants glory, kavod. Everybody wants honor. Only some people are crazy about it. But everybody has that yearning for desire, for, for glory. Then there's the instinct of a people to avoid human company. There are certain people have that instinct. You can't stand other people. And other people have a weakness. They can't be alone. They must always have somebody with whom to talk. So these character traits are so numerous that that is a great deal of work. And if a person wants to purify himself, that he should make his character traits on an even keel, not extreme in one direction or the other. So that means work. That's what he's telling us. And that's the subject of Nikias, of purifying himself in his heart. Uvar Leva. A man has clean hands. He didn't do wrong things. But he's pure of heart too. In his mind he has purity. And that's more difficult than the Kihapayim. Let's say the last two sentences, the two lines. The bottom paragraph. Omnom. <coughs> אמנם כמי בדברינו במצווה שהויו הצרה במיוס. It's just like when we spoke ordinarily, frequently stumble, they trip up on them. כן אדבר במידס הראשיס בעריכס איון יסע. 
will speak about the chief midas with a little more study. Because we are more accustomed to them, therefore we have to pay more attention to understanding them. Uh, he's telling us that it's necessary for us to study these attributes of character and to have them in mind, to think about them. Otherwise, people can live all their lives without being aware that they are guilty of them. Behem, hagavam, arrogance. Which means a blown-up opinion of oneself. Hakas, impatience. Hot-temper. Hakino, envy, jealousy. Beatavo, and the desire for certain things. A weakness for certain things that he desires. Now, Hain, they're more than that. For well, he's only speaking about these because they're the ones that are most frequently transgressed. Hain called Ela, Midas, right? These are all bad qualities. Before we go on, Akodesh Baruch doesn't put anything bad into a person. For they came also as the He made a man right. And qualities like Gava are important and are necessary in order that people should strive to excel, to make something out of themselves. Chaos is necessary against wrongdoers for a person to take action with anger against wrongdoers who transgress the Torah. Kino, very important, in order when you see something good being done by somebody else, you should be jealous and want to do it too. Want to acquire those good qualities too. And Tyre, we need all the desires because they're the things that keep us alive and that cause the human race to continue. However, all good things must be kept under control. And when they become misused, then they can become very great sins. And that's what he's warning. Not because they're etzim, they're wrong things. They're good things that Hashem gave us, but the misuse is wrong. Their harm is recognized and is famous. Doesn't need any proof. However, what does need a proof is that you are the one who has these qualities. Everybody recognizes that it's wrong to be arrogant, but that he is the arrogant one, he'll never recognize. All his life, others can see it immediately, he won't see it. And also all the other qualities, and even if he does admit, I do have a temper, but he never realizes how much of a temper he has and how wrong he is. Most cases he thinks is justified. And therefore it's not merely the name of the Amida that we have to admit is Amida. We have to recognize the guilt that the person has and concerning that Amida. That's what we have to study. He has to see how much of that Amida does he have and how does he misuse it. First thing after here. Ain't so lies. Doesn't need any proofs to convince us that they are wrong traits of character. Kihine, Rois be Asmon, Rois be told the They actually themselves are evil traits of character, and the results that they cause are great 
acts of harm. They cause harm. It's, it's a sin to have these traits of character, even though he never utilizes them in practice. Let's say if somebody is jealous, even though he never showed it or did anything, it already is a sin to have that wrong quality. It's a sin to have negative qualities of character, even though he doesn't do anything with it. But sometimes it comes into action and causes great harm because of jealousy. He becomes hostile to other people and he quarrels, he belittles other people, wants to show that they are nothing because he's envious of them. Sometimes he tries to prevent them from continuing their good ways because he envies them. So therefore, the two degrees here that we have to study, one is the thing itself, if he has that meter, because our Kodesh boy who judges a man by his meters, even though he never shows it in practice. Secondly, the results of those meters are many and are harmful. All these traits of character are outside the line of reason and wisdom. That means a person with his own reason should understand that these qualities are wrong and when you study history of people's lives, you see it, how unwise they were in having these qualities. The whole achas Each one by itself has enough power to bring a man to very severe sins. First up to you. And now concerning the arrogance. That's an open pasuk that admonishes and says, Lest your hearts become proud, and you'll forget Hashem. Which means, the proud man concentrates on himself. And that is a contradiction to thinking about Hashem. Because he's always involved in his own personality. He's so enamored with himself, even with a from man. But it's all frumkite about his own personality, and he can forget about Hashem. Even the Davenan, or doing mitzvahs, or learning, if this person is an arrogant personality, everything is only like an ornament to himself. It adorns himself, and he forgets about Hashem. But only if your heart becomes proud, you'll forget Hashem. Alakas, Omru Zechen Levavachet, Kol Akayas, anyone who becomes angry, Yihyeh Be'enecho Kil Oyved Avedazah. You should consider him as if he worshipped idols. Why? Because when a man is under the influence of his cars, he doesn't consider what HaKadosh Baruch wants of him, what is right and what is not right, and therefore like an idol worshiper, an idol worshiper gets about Hashem and just does what his idol tells him to do, or he thinks his idol tells him to do. And therefore, in that moment that a man is angry, he's like an idol worshiper, he's thrown off the oil of Malchushamayim. Alakina ba'ataiva, shanini belayin. Behead you openly. Akina ba'ataiva ve'yakobayit, Jealousy, desire for certain things, 
and also covet. He didn't speak about that before. Covet means a desire for glory. Now, that's a separate media apart from guy. Arrogance is not necessarily desire for glory. He is it. doesn't need anything. He's important enough. Covet, a person can think he's not important, but he's very thirsty for glory. It's a separate meter. Many times it goes together, but they're two separate meters. So kina, jealousy, taiva, the lust for certain things, and covet, desire for glory, will take a man out of this world. That means he'll lose this world, sometimes he gets in trouble, and therefore he dies young, and of course, in the next world, you'll find that he won't be admitted either. Omnom. But what is the study that's necessary in the case of these meters? To escape from them. He's, everybody knows the harm. The truth is it's not true. He's speaking to Talmud HaChamim. But actually not everybody understands how wrong these meters are. And therefore, it's not a waste of time explaining how harmful these meters are. I have to explain it at length until we're convinced that these meters are poison to have them in your character. But then he goes on and says, these people who already understand that, what do they have to study from now on? How to escape, how to avoid the influence of these meters. Whom we call on fame, and for all their subdivisions. And they're not simple. One meter can have many subdivisions, and therefore he has to be on guard, and that's the study that we have to spend our time on. All of them, without exception, are branches of a strange vine. It means branches of a undesired growth, like a poisonous weed that creeps in the garden of the mind. Now we're going to speak about them one by one. That's all for now. Set that aside. The subject of Midas, which he's discussing now, it's important to know that even if no acts were committed, nevertheless, a person's Midas controls his thoughts. And the way a person lives by his thoughts is even more important because the thoughts, that's the pneumius, that's the inner person, the real person. Acts are only what he shows, but what he is, is in his thoughts. And the midas shape his thoughts. Now, in a klal inyan agai the general principle of arrogance is this. Shodem machshiv asma basma. A man consider himself important, because it's himself, not because of any considerations, only because of himself. And in his mind, he imagines that praise is befitting for him. He deserves to be praised. Now, not a matter of covet here, that could be too, but he even doesn't see covet. He thinks that he's a person who really deserves to be recognized. This could be 
induced from various ideas of different types. This idea that he is so important could come from various reasons. Something that when it comes to cycle, he is the one who has the most logical mind. That's one form of guidance, which is very frequent. Another person can think that he is a handsome, makes a good impression. I usually told people or initial in this, because they have a reason. But even short people, even people are not so personable. They imagine that they are nice looking, and that gives them a certain feeling of importance, and they deserve recognition just because of their externality. Something is an important person, not because of his cycle, not because of his appearance, but he is an important person, an honorable person. My personality deserves to be honored without any specific cause to explain why he thinks so. Something, he's a great man in various ways. Now, Baal Seichel, one thing, Chacha means he knows things. Baal Seichel means he has good common sense. That's what he thinks. Chacha means he thinks he is a man who is well informed. To sum up, any one of the good things in the world, if a person thinks that he has it, is immediately in peril, fall into this trap of Gaivet. First chapter here. Once a man has a fixation in his mind that he is important and he deserves recognition, the results that come from this attitude won't be just one result. Many different kinds of results will come forth. Like he's going to explain the next paragraph. And some of these results are contradictory to each other. It means sometimes he has one result, sometimes the opposite of that result. Or some people react to their guy in one way, and others react in a different way, the opposite way. We'll soon see. But they all come from one cause. That's a cause that he thinks is important. But both the one way of behavior and the opposite behavior, all of them come, have the same intention, in order to emphasize his importance. 
Sometimes you emphasize the importance in one way, and sometimes you emphasize it in the just the opposite, what I will soon see. Say that aside. Now he explains one form of reaction to his esteem of himself. It could be found one form of a conceited person. He'll think in his mind, since he deserves praise and recognition, and he is unique, and he is distinguished in his importance according to what he thinks. Therefore, Therefore, he thinks it's proper for him he should behave in a special, distinguished way with great dignity. His conduct should be with great dignity according to his importance. He walks in a certain way. When he sits in a certain way. When he stands when he speaks with the whole mass of anything he does he does in an important way because it's an expression of his estimate of his own importance he won't go unless with great deliberation when he walks it's with deliberation as if he is an important personality he healed Next to his great Torah means he makes small steps. Lo yeshiv elo afak. He wouldn't sit unless he leans back in an attitude of authority. Lo yokum elo meat meat benachas. Chinochas. He won't get up all at once. Gets up slowly like a snake rises, raises his head. When he gets up, he raises himself like an important person slowly. Lo yadaber imakoyl. He won't speak with everybody, only he speaks only to important people, like he is. And even with the important people, he only speaks short sentences, as if it was an article. His words are so important that he thinks you should try to understand him. And a few words, he thinks, should suffice. The whole Shalmaisov and all the rest of his deeds, Bitnuosov and his movements, and Bifulosov and his acts, the way he eats, or the way he drinks, Malbushov, the way he clothes himself, or behold, and all of his ways, he conducts himself with a great heaviness, a great dignity. Ki'ilu kol besolefa, as if he was all lead, heavy, important, behold, atzom of ebon ochol, all of his bones are like stone or sand. In other words, this man, of this case, expresses his importance in being a very dignified and slow person a deliberate in all of his motions. He's careful with whom he talks and doesn't talk much. You have to understand him and not, he won't speak anymore. And everything that he does is done with a great amount of dignity. Now, not because he wants 
people to honor him. That's a different story. Because he thinks that's what he is. He's the kind of man that should behave with great dignity. Say that. The examples that he cites here are only one form, but we can see it all the time. Imagine a man standing in the synagogue, stands up, and he surveys the scene with a lordly look around. He stands in a place where he's conspicuous. He wouldn't sit down where ordinary people sit. He looks for a special place. And then when he has to make a, let's say, say Yeshua, he says it the way that people should know that the important person is here. And you can watch his behavior and you'll see that he is a man with great dignity, although you don't know why, but he knows. Now, is another form of a conceited person who thinks because he is deserving of praise and he is full of virtues, of advantages. He should make everyone tremble before him. It's another kind. Everyone should be excited because of him. It wouldn't be proper. The people should have the boldness to break through, to approach him. Ask him to do anything. He considers it as imposition of people come close to him and speak to him as if he was... Uh, Equal of theirs. And if they will be bold enough to come up to him, he frightens them with his stern voice, and he confuses them with the wind of his lips. He speaks to them harsh words in order to put them in their place. And his face is always sullen, always showing a certain displeasure, and all that people should know that they should have the house for this personality. Say that. Our time is up. The next paragraph, he speaks of the opposite behavior of an arrogant person who feels it's so important, doesn't want any cover at all. And he'll make himself as if he were a big on-off, and he sits in the least important place just to show people I don't need cover. Now that's the next kind, to show that the way a, the, the guy who expresses himself sometimes is just the opposite in contradictory ways. The yesh gaya there's another kind of Balgaiman, that he thinks that he is so great and important that honor cannot be separate from him. It means 
he is honored, he is dignified, and doesn't have to look for more honor. He doesn't need any additional honor. He thinks he's so important already, he doesn't care that anybody should honor him. In order to demonstrate this thing, he does acts like a humble man. He's extreme in his behavior in this sense. The Hades shiflus got to show a great humility, and a meekness, ad ein unlimited. But his thoughts, his mind, is praising himself, meantime saying, I'm so high and so important, I don't need any honor anymore. All I care is to give away honor. It's too big for me. It means, I have so much honor that it's superfluous. I am an honorable person. So let's say, if this person comes into a place, a synagogue, and you want to offer him a seat on the front, she says, no, no, it's just all the way in the back to demonstrate what a great honor he is. Say that inside. We can find another case of a proud man. He wishes to be very much distinguished in his virtues, and to be unique in his ways. It's not enough for him that the whole world should praise him for the virtues that he thinks he possesses. But he desires that they should continue to praise him even more than he really is. And they should announce that he is the most humble person in the world. It comes out that he is taking pride in his humility. He wants honor by showing that he runs away from the honor. This proud man puts himself beneath people who are much less than real he is. Very much less. Even among the most despised people, he puts himself beneath them to show that he is the paragon of humanity. He wants to show here the most extreme humility. That's what Oishahoyish Yoshke did in the New Testament. He wanted to show what a big tzaddik was. So he used to associate with the sinners and the publicans and the harlots and he mixed with them to show what a big tzaddik he was. It's an example here. And he doesn't accept any designation of the names of honor that people bestow upon him. He says, don't call me rabbi, don't be goen, means he's bigger than rabbi, bigger than goen. Don't call me anything. And he refuses all forms of exaltation. 
But his heart says inside of him, There's nobody in the whole world who is as wise and as humble as I am. Now don't think this is an imaginary story. This has happened again and again. When I, the example I told you is a very important example. No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use.